you would, we're in the book of Acts. What a surprise. Been in this book for a while. If you don't know any book, if you don't know Acts by now, <laughs> Lord, I need another job. He ain't learned nothing. If you don't know anything about the book of Acts, we're in the book of Acts. Uh, Acts of the Apostles, um, the story after the cross is our series we're in, and we're on our next to the last sermon in this particular book. If you would turn to Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 10, we're going to read verses 22, 34, and through 36 in the NASB uh, Bible. Acts 10, 22, and 34 through 36. And it reads, they said, Cornelius, a centurion, a righteous and God-fearing man, well spoken of by the entire nation of the Jews, was divinely directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and hear a message from you. Opening his mouth, Peter said, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality, but in every nation the man who fears him and does what is right is welcome to him. The word which he sent to the sons of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. Lord, please bring the word for this people. Again, allow me not to try to imitate or duplicate 8 o'clock service, but allow me to bring a word for this people right here. These people who are tuning in, these people who are listening to this CD or DVD, or MP3 or MP4. Wherever they find this, allow it to be contoured just for them. In the name of Jesus, we do pray. Amen. As you take your seat, I want to speak to you from the subject, the outside game changer. The outside game changer. They said Cornelius was a great man. But let's look at this. We are in chapter 10 in the book of Acts. This remarkable event takes place that pertains to everyone in this room, at least 99% of us who are here. It is an event that should be read in its entirety and appreciated by every church because at this moment something took place for the very first time that altered your eternal destiny. It is a game changer. In Acts 10, we find the very moment that the barrier between Jew and Gentile collapsed. It's the Berlin Wall of the Bible. This was an even bigger event than the Berlin Wall because at this point, we were grafted into God's family tree. The moment Cornelius, a Roman officer, believed the gospel. Prior to this moment, the Jews were at center stage. Cornelius is the first Gentile representing all of us who was granted eternal life. He's our pioneer the first Gentile to get saved. In Romans 11, Paul is discussing how the Jews have been bypassed because of their unbelief in rejecting the Messiah. He says, God gave them a spirit of stupor in Romans 11:8, and grafted all of us, the Gentiles, into the tree of Israel. In Romans 8, 17 through 21, he says, if some of the branches have been broken off and you, though a wild olive shoot, have been grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing sap from the olive root, do not consider yourself to be superior to those other branches. If you do, consider this. You don't support the root 
but the root supports you. You will say then, branches were broken off so that I could be grafted in. Granted, but they were broken off because of unbelief. And you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant, but tremble. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he would not spare you either. Faith don't get the big head and say, oh, the Jews killed Jesus and da-da-da. And you better than them. No, he said, you look, if he cut them off, he'll cut you off too. That's the Bible. It ain't me. I'm just reading scripture. What grace, what a gift, what a privilege. What happens here in Caesarea is a little hard for us to relate to in the 21st century, but think of this visceral hatred that exists in the Middle East between Arabs and the Jews, and you'll get a glimpse. This intense enmity is the first century, in the first century affected everyone. So to be including Gentiles in God's elect was like an earthquake reaching a 10 on the biblical Richter scale. Peter is the key figure here in the book of Acts, the one with the keys to the kingdom. First of all, let's get it straight. At first, Peter was a racist. Keep it 100. Y'all remember when, when the, the Jesus and the disciples were going out witnessing to the Samaritans, and the Samaritans didn't hear the word, and the disciples said, hey, Jesus, you want us to call fire now and burn up everybody? And Jesus said, no, man, what's wrong with you? You crazy? No. We good. How about this? Don't even go nowhere else. You just deal with the Jews. And what happened is on the day of Pentecost, then when they received the Holy Spirit, he said, take this gospel from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the outer ends of the earth. Why? Because now that you have received the Holy Spirit, you have the ability to not hate white people if you black. To not hate black people if you white. To not hate Jew people if you a Gentile. Huh? Come on, somebody, to not have hey, Gentile if you a Jew. Because for some reason, the devil always makes drives a wedge between people when they have differences. But keep it real. I need your differences to survive. If everybody played the organ, who going to preach? If everybody preached, who going to dance? If everybody dance, who going to run the camera? But the thing about it is, when we see different people, for some reason, it makes us drive a wedge. I know you know about this. You knock on the doors. The first thing they say, you're a Democrat or Republican. Why do Democrats have Republicans or Republicans hate Democrats? That's why the United States can't get a lot of stuff done, because how can a house divided amongst itself stand? And you hate people just because they're a different party, because they're different than you. It makes no sense to me. That's why Jesus had to send the Holy Spirit to make sure he touched our hearts so we wouldn't hate somebody just because they don't look like us, just because they don't talk like us, just because they're not the same color, just because they don't dress like us. Isn't it crazy? Oh, I don't know why they praying for her. Her skirt too short. At least she here. Keep it at 100. Peter, it, it was broken. I, I see. So I, I read this sermon, and somebody said it was long, so I ain't going to read the whole. At 8 o'clock, we did all right, right? All right, so I'm not going to read. I was going to read the whole chapter 10. It's 48 verses. So you're going to say 48 minutes right now because I read slow. Special. It is why I talk specially. But anyway, I appreciate it. Are you agreeing that I'm special, huh? That's what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, 
She basically calling me retarded. But it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. We good. We good. Hey, so look, look. <laughs> Why you laughing so hard, man? <laughs> See, man, let me get back to church. Lord, bring me back. Rebuke these two. No, I was playing. Seriously. <laughs> I'm sorry. So seriously, though, two people had a vision, Cornelius and Peter. Peter had a vision where Jesus, where the, the, the Spirit of God said, get up, kill, and eat. It had reptiles, it had pork, and everything Jews don't eat. Now, I'm not saying don't eat pork. Go ahead. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, Peter never got up, killed, and eat. He said, all right, God, I ain't getting up, killing and eat. So a lot of times people say, well, this is why we can eat whatever we want, because God told him to get up, kill, and eat. But he never got up, killed, and ate. I'm not saying you can't eat pork. I'm just saying it really ain't good for you. But eat it. It tastes good. I get it. But what I'm saying is he didn't understand the vision right then because that's not what it was for. God said, get up, kill, and eat. And Peter said, I won't eat it because it's unclean. And God said, don't you call anything unclean, I made clean. On the other side of town, on the other side of town, Cornelius has a vision. And it tells him that Peter is going to bring him a word. And the amazing thing about it is he's not even a Christian. He's a Gentile. That's why I, it baffles me why church folk always want folk to get saved the same way they did. Yeah, your mama drug you to church by your ear. You had to come here, and you were saved in church. Well, whoop de doo that's amazing. But some people got saved in the crack house. Some people got saved in a drunken stupor. Some people got saved because they had an accident and said, oh, Lord, if you got me out of this, I'm going to do whatever it is you want me to do. You feel me? Some of us got saved through a sickness and disease. It doesn't matter how you were saved as long as you were saved. So Cornelius sends to Peter. Peter goes to Cornelius' house. He follows them, and he never got up killed and ate. But he went to Cornelius' house, who's a Roman soldier, and the people still killing the Christians. So you know he heard from God. So he went exactly where God told him to go. And when he got there, Cornelius said, I saw you in a vision, and he said you were going to speak to me. And Peter gave a word and told them how great God was, told them how he was with Jesus, and everybody in the house got saved. They started praying in the Spirit. Now, Brother Philip, some church folk were sitting there like, Mm-hmm. He talking to these Gentiles. Peter lost his daggone mind. Look at that girl over there with that shirt skirt on. She ain't supposed to be in no church. His pants hanging all down. What in the world? Just judging him. But God will make a testimony so powerful, can't nobody deny it. What happens? If you read the text, that's your homework. Read chapter 10, because that's why you're saving time. Because if I don't think you read next week, I'm going to read the whole chapter just for you. Go home and read it. The Bible says they started praying in the Spirit. They started speaking in tongues. They started showing the signs of the Holy Spirit. And so now they received the Holy Spirit before they even got baptized. And so Peter said, I know you can't keep them from being baptized now because they already were baptized with fire. Surely I can baptize them with water. You better understand that God will make a testimony in your life that nobody can deny. That's why you're going through the mess you're going through right now. So God can make a testimony. Come on, somebody. You can't have a testimony without a test. 
You got to have a test. How are you going to be more than an overcomer if you don't have anything to overcome? How can, you be, how can you be more than a conqueror if you ain't conquered anything? I'm telling you right now, God will make a testimony in your life. Oh. Man, can you imagine the soldier and Peter coming together? Peter uneducated, Peter all dirty, Cornelius, a, a well-decorated soldier serving in the Marines, got his stuff all together. It, it's so polished and clean, and Peter speaking broken English, yet he's there. He was shocked, but God wasn't shocked. God will put you in places you ain't qualified for to make sure he gets done what it is he needs you to get done. God will take you somewhere your education could never open up doors for because he trusts you to do what it is he wants you to do. You better watch out. God is an amazing God. He said your gift will make room for you. I don't care where the room at. Oh, you better watch out. God will take you to the White House to minister to somebody just because he understands that your spirit is me. God will bring you before kings and queens. Peter was shocked, but God wasn't. Stop being so shocked when God puts you in places because he said he came to give you life and to give you more abundantly, didn't he? Didn't he say he came to give you a good measure, blessing, pressed down, shaking together, and running over, yet you shocked? Why are you so shocked when he said, yea, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you shall fear no evil. My rod and my staff shall comfort you. Why are you shocked when you don't walk into the trap that your enemy set for you? Why are you shocked when he blessed you? He said, I'll make you lay down in green pastures, which means I'll make you lay down in places no man has ever gone before. And you shocked. Don't you know you serve a great God? That God doesn't care about your educational background. Now, if you, can, if you can pull up your education, go do it. But what I'm saying is God don't care about your qualifications. He'll send you where he wants you to be. Look at what Paul says in Ephesians 2, 14 through 16. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law that commands and regulations, the law that commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He put to death their hostility if you really get the Holy Ghost. You won't hate white people just because they white. You won't hate black people just because they black. You won't hate Jew people just because they Jew. You will love everybody, even your enemies. Oh, my God. Ain't it funny? See, this is what you need to understand. God made, God spoke the world into existence. He spoke the stars and the sun and the galaxies, right? He spoke the earth into existence. The earth is not too close to the world, to the sun, that it burns us up, but not too far away that we freeze. The centrifugal force of the gravity... It's not so fast it throws in the atmosphere and not so slow that we slide off on a round earth. Ain't that bad? Call a bad mamma jamma. Huh? He spoke light into existence. We still don't know if it's particles and waves or waves and particles. We don't understand what it is. He spoke the seed into existence. We don't understand photosynthesis at all the way. He spoke it. He spoke Mars. He spoke Venus. Come on, somebody. He spoke, he spoke the stars. He spoke it. He spoke the sea. He spoke the sky. He spoke the land. He spoke the fish. He spoke the whales. He spoke the lions. He spoke all this into existence. But he loved you so much. 
that he didn't speak you into existence. He took his hands and he formed you and he made you and he crafted you. And then he blew his ruach in you. He blew his breath, his Holy Spirit in you. And he spent so much time on you. He had to take a rest after he made you. That's how much he loved you. And that's how much he loved a neighbor you hate. That's why you got to be careful. People wonder why people come against me in organizations and I can utterly destroy them with certain things. I know, but I don't because I know God loves you the same way. Now, eventually, God will handle it. But I sit back and let God do it because I know he loves them so much that he'd rather handle it himself. It ain't up to me to handle my enemies. Because the same way he formed me with his hands, he formed my enemy. Oh, y'all don't hear me. Let God handle it. He said he reconciled it to the cross. See, the cross is an amazing thing. He didn't get the nails through his hands. He got, I know we say the hands, but he nailed it through the wrist because the hands, you were just split open. You don't have any bones to hold it. They will put it in your wrist to make sure you was there. And, and, and see, you got to understand, when he said it's finished, he wasn't saying it's finished because he lived for 33 years. He was saying it's finished because he was crucified before the foundation of the world. And his left arm stretched from Malachi all the way to Genesis. And his right arm stretched from Matthew all the way to Revelation. And then they put his legs together and put one nail together to reconcile the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Jew and the Gentile. He brought them all together because he was intertestamental. He fulfilled the law, but he gave you grace. He did not do away with the law. He fulfilled it so now all people can be saved through him. Why? Because the way to the sin is death and he never was supposed to die. And so when he went to the cross, he made sure the devil understood. I, you don't take my life. You just set the stage and I lay my life down and the same way I lay my life down, I pick it back up again. I don't care how much pain I'm going to go through. I'm going to take this pain. No, don't bring me no vinegar. Don't bring me nothing for my pain. I'm going to take this pain for my people. Oh, can you hear it? On the cross, you'll be suffocating because you'd be suffocating because your lungs are being weighted on by your weight of your body, but you would have to push up to breathe. And even though it hurts you, the first law of preservation is self-preservation from mass law, how are of need? And so even though it hurts, you will push up to breathe. And that's why they would break the legs of the people to make sure that they could go home because they wanted to clock out. But they didn't touch Jesus' legs because it was the foundation. The foundation of bringing the Jews and the Gentiles together. The foundation of bringing the Old Testament and New Testament together. The intertestamental uh, mantle that he brought the old and new together to make sure that even though you can't pass the test, he passed it for you. And so, if God, if God loves you that much, that he'll die for you even when you're guilty. I know y'all church folks try to act like y'all don't sin. I know you try to act like you don't do nothing. I'm just going to leave that alone. We all fall short of the glory of God. And if he died for you, why don't you live for him? Huh? If he died for you, love your enemy. You don't have to like your enemy. I don't like a lot of people. But I got to love all of them. <laughs>
I'm just keeping it 100. <laughs> well, it's true. Can you picture though? They together, these two cultures coming together. But look at what it says in John 10, 16. And I believe Peter remembered this. That's why you can't be racist or prejudiced because God loves everybody. You can't hate Democrats just because they're Democrats. You can't hate Republicans just because they're Republicans. You can't hate folk just because they're crazy either. Look, what it says in John 10, 16, he says, I have other sheep that are not from this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. How in the world can you burn crosses in people's houses in the name of Jesus and say you're a Christian? I'm just, I'm just asking. I know that's over almost, but in 2022, some folk ain't got no water. So I don't know what sheets they may still be wearing or what cross they still may be burning. You let that marinate and just quiet. Make sure it sink in what I said. Because at the end of the day, it says, I have sheep that's not from this sheep pen. That's why I kept asking Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Because he wanted to make sure he understood not just the Jew sheep, not just the black sheep, not just the white sheep, not just the yellow sheep, not just the red sheep, not just the brown sheep. I need you to preach to all my sheep and make sure you understand that all men and women, I want everybody to be saved. Look at this, though. Romans 10, 20, Paul quoted Isaiah 65 and 1. He says, and Isaiah boldly says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. Stop judging people because they found God in another place than you. See, Paul, I believe Paul was throwing shuttle shade at Peter. Because, you know, Peter was a hater for a moment. He was mad that Paul was getting all this attention. He was upset that Paul was preaching everywhere. You know, he, he was upset with that. And, and, and then he was like, you don't even know Jesus. You ain't even meet Jesus. And Paul said, I didn't walk down the street with Jesus. But on the road to Damascus, I saw Jesus in a light that blinded me. Come on, somebody. I saw Jesus in a car accident I had. I saw Jesus at the drink that I drank. I, I saw Jesus in an overdose that I had. I saw Jesus on a hospital bed. I saw Jesus in my divorce. I saw Jesus when my child went to jail. I saw Jesus when I was struggling. It doesn't matter where you meet Jesus at, as long as you meet them. Stop letting people knock your testimony and stop knocking everybody else's. God comes to us in many different ways. He may not meet me at the altar. Oh, I know preachers around the world mad about that. He may not meet him here. Some people are already ready to join because somebody already witnessed them. Somebody got saved at their job. Somebody got saved at the racetrack. Somebody got saved at the bar. Who cares? God said, I seek people who didn't seek me. So don't be trying to say, God send people to hell and don't try. God said, I'm going to try to penetrate everybody's heart. But will you open the door? Ooh. The Bible in Galatians 3.28 says, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. <laughs> are you a Christian? Are you a Christian? 
Do you look at everybody as one? You know, I, I ain't got past, you know, people say I don't see color. I mean, I see color. I see you black, I see you white. I, I can't say I don't see. I don't know how people tell me that. I don't see color. I don't know what that means because clearly I'm black. <laughs> now, I'm not racist, but I know what color you are when I'm talking. I ain't colorblind, you know. You, you know what I'm saying? I, I can't be colorblind. I, I, I can't say that, that, that I can't say I don't see color. I can't say that I don't see that I may get shot before you when the police pull me over. I might be kind of saving Newport News on the north side. I ain't saying because I love the police. I, I deal with them all the time. But what I am saying, I can't not say what the issues are. You know what I'm saying? You, you, can, you, can, you can know the truth and still handle it in love. Right? I can't say I don't see the truth. So to say I don't think that my people have more challenges than other people, I can't not say that. You know? I'm a Christian. I love everybody. And I know God going to bless me regardless of what color I am. Because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. But I may get stopped a little more often if I'm driving something nice. Right, let me go on somewhere. I just, it's, it's his fault. It's Philip Jones' spirit. <laughs> Got to blame somebody. I wasn't talking like that at 8 o'clock and you weren't here. <laughs> I was real good. So, so, what can we take away from this story? There's a lot going on, but let's focus on two practical things. The first is divine appointments. What we see in this meeting is divinely directed encounter. It is clearly God-ordained. Before these men even knew each other, God already knew he was going to bring them together. So look here. Can you pray? I need you. Have you ever asked for a divine appointment? Have you ever asked for one? Right. You ever asked for one? See, there are other devout people like Cornelius who want to know Jesus because in whose hearts God is already working, but they need you to water it. Have you ever been at the gas pump and God tell you to say something to somebody, but you didn't? Let me tell you something. Probably the easiest place to witness the people now is at the gas pump because everybody wants Jesus at the gas pump now. <laughs> Lay hands, sleep on this spirit at wah wah all day long. Hush shut up, boo but has, has God ever led you to do that? Has he ever gave you a divine appointment? Have you ever sought somebody to say, God, I want you to put somebody in my path that I can share the gospel with? Uh, see, look at this. Why not ask God each morning to bring you into somebody's life that needs to hear the word? We are not called to pastor and preach, but we are all called to be a witness. Right? Look at what, look at what Ephesians 2.10 says. It says, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And the, <laughs> he already prepared you to do it. He already prepared you to share with somebody. Especially if you're reading your Bible. What's so funny is that we always say, well, God will bring to my remembrance when I need it. 
How you can remember something you ain't read? Remember means you read it. You studied it. You saw it somewhere. It don't mean I would just bring it out of the atmosphere, spontaneous combustion or something, because at the end of the day, did you read it? See, let me tell you something. Have you ever read your book for a test and couldn't remember the answers? Let me tell you something. Let me tell you this prayer right here. If you read your Bible, this works. See, the reason why I was able to get my doctorate degree because I was like, look here, God. I need you to make me remember what I study on this science and math test, the same zeal you have for me remembering the Bible. Right? Now, you're going to always, like, if I'm in an argument with somebody, debate at the barbershop because somebody is, is saying some crazy foolishness, you always bring the scripture to my mind. So can you help me with this test, please? I'm just telling you, it works. It works. I'm telling you, it works. But what I'm saying is, when you really read the word, God will bring to your remembrance what you need because another, yes, he will. Even if you don't know exactly what scripture it is, it's going to come to you because God wants to use you as a witness. See, somebody's going to come to you and say, well, what about the people in the Pigeons? What about, what about the people way over here in Tibet? What, what about them? See, that ain't really what they're really asking you. Why about them people way over there that don't get Jesus? God can let a plane crash with a whole bunch of Bibles and they get to them. Right? Hey, hold on, man. I know you, 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 you don't snitch on me. I'm about to say something. God will make you creative. We have held Skype church for some folk in countries that they can't, that it's not legal for them to have Jesus. But they found me on Facebook and said they don't want us to do Facebook. We got to do Skype because it's not traceable as easily as Facebook. And so now we've done it long enough when now they teach their own self. We've even sent them supplies, right? God will find somebody. See, I, I watch a lot of gangster movies and I see how they be smuggling drugs and like plants and, and, and dolls and stuff, right? So these MP3s that got the Bible on it, what we do, y'all ain't no part of it. So if, if, if I go to jail, Jesus is going to pardon me by myself. Y'all ain't, y'all don't, y'all, I'm just telling y'all, what we do, we put them in little stuffed animals and we mail them, but they don't search them and they get MP3s with the Bible on them. I know it don't sound right, but God said be as wise as a serpent and as gentle as a dove. Oh, I can be gangster in the kingdom, baby, because the, the Bible said the, the kingdom of God serves violent and the violent take it by force. So I don't care if you look at me and judge me and tell me I shouldn't do what it is that we do. But at the end of the day, baby, God will get the gospel wherever God wants the gospel to go. And he don't care how he get it there. So stop trying to act like God wants people to go to hell. He'll find them somehow in some way. He'll make sure he crosses their path. I'm telling you, I don't know if we can put that on the broadcast, but it's true. <laughs> God will prepare you with an answer, because really, again, it ain't even about them. But I tell them that story. And the only reason they came up, because really, this, this sermon is not to make you hype. This sermon is to make you be a witness. Because in COVID, so many people don't have hope right now. Can I tell you something? We had people lose loved ones. I got, we had to do a funeral last week, and I got two more this week. Three funerals in a row. 
three back-to-back-to-back funerals, right? So, but at the end of the day, when our people are sad, you can still sense the hope because they know that their loved one is in a better place. They know they're going to miss them, but they know they're in heaven. They know to be absent from the body is to be present with God. But when I go as a volunteer chaplain, their sadness has no hope when they don't know who Jesus is because they don't know where their person is. They don't know what's going on, and you can sense it's different because, see, you need to start understanding there's a difference between sadness and happiness and joy. You can have joy when you're sad. You can have joy when you're happy. You can't be happy when you're sad. You can't be sad when you're happy, but you can have joy at all times because you understand this too shall pass because my Jesus has already defeated death. I can defeat anything else. If my God died on the cross and raised on the third day, I ain't worried about gas prices. I'm not worried about racism. I'm not worried about a Democrat or a Republican. I'm not worried about police brutality. I'm not worried about racism. I'm not worried about my supplies and needs not being met because I know that if God conquered death, he'll conquer anything in my life. Worried about anything? I'm unstoppable. Nothing can stop me because I know Jesus. But how many people don't have that hope like you? They don't understand it. They need to know Jesus. You got to know Jesus to do great things and mighty things and understand that you will win. I might lose a battle or two, but it ain't over. Come on, somebody. Have you ever seen when Matlock lost a case? What they do? To be continued. <laughs> what if Batman get trapped? He can't go. Same bad time, same bad channel. He getting out of it. <laughs> he ain't gonna die. You Batman. You Batwoman. You feel me? You got powers and you can't lose. Anyway, let me go on. But even when you die, you don't lose. Because to be here is Christ, and to die is to be with Jesus. Face to face. No more working. But back to what I was saying with COVID. These people don't have hope. This is the easy time to witness to somebody. They done tried the hospital. They've tried uh, the politics. They've tried. They've tried the, the get rich quick. quick. I had all them. Remember, them, them triangles came back. Them pyramids came back then. Remember, they used to do them pyramids back in the day. You know what I'm saying? But now they back because everybody wants some type of hope to make some money. But at the end of the day, God is the one that gives you the power to obtain wealth. I see you just, just, just pimp walking down there. I see you. <laughs> I'm sorry. Let me get back to what I'm doing. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Look at here. When somebody starts arguing with you about Scripture, don't argue. If you can just find one Scripture, just tell them, hey, read this. I'm telling you, just say, read this. And the reason you want them to read it is because it'll penetrate their heart. See, you can read it and maybe it'll penetrate their heart, but if they read it, even if it don't take right then, oh, it's going to do it because the Word of God is powerful. 
and then the two-edged sword. And the problem is you got to stop worrying about getting credit because God hardens the heart of who he chooses and he has mercy on those who he chooses. So when you get the word to them, it's up to God to do what God wants to do. Let them read it and watch it start penetrating them. It might not happen this week, but next week they're probably going to be changed. And it might be next year, but at the end of the day, when you give them that word, that word of God is going to start changing them and they ain't going to know what's going on, but they already watching you anyway. They watching how you move. Because you know what? They were trying to kill you on your job. Not physically, but they were trying to kill your reputation. And all of a sudden, you still walk through it. Yeah, they walk through the valley of the shadow of death. They wondered how you did it. And they looking at you. And their heart is already ready to hear the word from you. Now, don't go in there with your Bible, talking about Jesus and throwing oil on folks. You're going to get fired. You will. But what I'm saying is God will give you a divine appointment. Pray for that divine appointment I'm talking about because God wants to save everybody. Look at this. What if you told your child, hey, the stove is on, don't touch the stove, and they touch it? Did you send them to hot finger heaven? No, you told them not to touch it. You didn't send them to touch the stove. They touched the stove on their own, and they burnt their own hand. So would they stop trying to blame God for sending folk to hell? God said, accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you will be saved. He gave you a bloody bridge between him and you, and some people just choose to jump over it. It ain't God's fault that they don't listen. They hear it every day. Somebody putting it out there every day. Somebody is trying to get the word out every day. God does not send anyone to hell. We choose it on our own. He said, I put before you blessings and curses. Choose blessings. Just in case you're too dumb and pick curses. He tells you what to pick. Let me hurry and get out of here. Look at this. God is just and fair. Genesis 18, 25 tells us that. God does not show favoritism. Acts 10, 34 says that. He promises to be found by seekers. Jeremiah 29, 13 says that. God wants all to be saved. 1 Timothy 2, 3 and 4 says that. God loves us. John 3, 16 says that. God's creation is proof he exists. Romans 1, 19 and 20 says that. God gave everyone a conscience. Galatians 5, 19 through 21 says that. We are all, we are all fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3, 23 says that. We all have some degree of light. Acts 10, 1 through 2 says that. We all have some degree of light. We all have some degree of light. Nobody is totally evil. We already know anybody totally good, but nobody... It's totally evil. From these truths, we can establish that God is fair and has promised that he will make himself found by anyone who seeks him. Whether in the jungle, whether, whether in the jungle and a plane crash happens and Bibles are there from missionaries, or Kanye West starts singing gospel music. Come on, somebody. God will do what God needs to do to get his word to everybody on earth. Look at this. Acts 17, 24 through 28. I'm almost done. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything 
Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. Though he is not far from any one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. God is not far from any of us, whether in the jungles, Caesarea, or Tibet. We have no excuse. Let me read this last thing, and I'm going to sit down. One, pray for divine appointments. Ask God to bring you sovereignly into relationships at work, even though you might not like everybody, at school and in your neighborhood, where you can share the gospel with genuine seekers. I've been able to share the gospel now because I knock on doors all the time. And Brother Justin with me one time, and this lady was telling me all her problems. I began to talk to her, and we began, I even prayed for her, prayed for her healing, prayed for this, prayed for another young lady who had trouble with pregnancy. I, man, it's, man, God would make divine appointments, right? Now, I'm not going there. I'm going there to try to get people to vote for me. But God created opportunities in some places for me to witness. Because God is going to make it all the time. Two, be prepared to give an account. Know the gospel and some answers, right? Always, 1 Peter 3.15 says, first, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Don't beat them in the head with the Bible. That's why some people don't like it. Don't be using it as a weapon. It's your weapon against the devil, not your weapon against mankind. All right? So, but you got to read the Bible. But it's good to say, I don't know. I get back with you. Again, I got to get back with you because you, you, you asked me to answer a question. I forgot to get back with you. But look at this. <laughs> it's okay to say, I don't know. Don't you hate when somebody tell you an answer and they say it with conviction and it's totally 100% wrong? And they knew they didn't know the answer. And then you go get an answer and you look dumb just like they do. Say, I don't know. I'll get back with you. But you do need to know something. At least know John 3.16. All right? Let me get out of here. So in closing, I need y'all to do this for y'all homework. Ask God for divine appointments to share the gospel with people whose lives he has been preparing, churning up their heart sore for the gospel. So he already preparing some vote, and they ready and right for you to talk to, right? See, that, I asked for that. That's what I asked for, because I don't like talking about they just go crazy and go off. Uh, God, send me somebody who almost ready. <laughs> they need somebody to push them over the edge, you know? But, you know, I'm just saying, because some vote... I, my seed ain't going to even take the ground so hard, they ain't going to hear me no way. Can I keep it 100? But God, send me to somebody like Cornelius who got questions. They ain't quite made it, but you need me to come bring them a word to bring them all the way over. Can you do that? At least ask for that, right? Y'all stop clapping when I said, can you do that? Y'all clapping fast and I said, we, all right, okay. Right, you'll do it. Okay. Y'all saw the clapping and you stopped real quick. Then you saw that. Oh, no, no. Great point, but I don't ever want to do that. All right. Will you ask God for opportunities to share his good news with the Cornelius or someone who's waiting for Peter to come and answer his questions? 
Thank you. I hope you will. And I hope that you will be ready, prepared to answer the questions. Remember, again, it's okay not to know all the answers, but just be honest with them and say, I'll get back with you. All right? I'm done.